Do we want to see hearts set free? Do we want to see our country healed? Well, the change does have to start right here. It's got to start right now. I'm going to ask you this over and over today. Are you willing to be recycled? Are you willing to have God's Spirit refocus you? God's Spirit empowers you and empowers me to do exactly what God has designed us for. Through the role of the Holy Spirit, it's liberating. We have this whole new mindset, the way that we look at the world, the way we look at morality. We have a whole new sense of life, truly what our purpose is, what our fulfillment is. We got this new identity. We're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And God has given us a whole new obligation, a whole new way to look at the world. This is what I need you to do. Listen, the Holy Spirit helps us all to pray. Father, you know, when you're sitting there going, Father, what do, what, what do I do next? You're just calling for help. But what do we do? I'm looking at this culture. I'm looking at my kids. What do I do next? How do I help my children? How do I help my grandchildren in a world that wants to cancel them, to cancel culture them? A world of violence, self-centeredness. He tell you, Lord, I just feel weak. I feel unsure. I'm not sure what to do next. Romans 8 says, Now in the same way the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Paul tells us that the searcher of hearts, that's the Holy Spirit, knows exactly what each and every one of you, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, he knows exactly what they're dealing with. He knows exactly what they need. You know that word searcher, it's actually a root word. And what it suggests is, is that someone's lighting a torch, okay, and they're going around a large, dark room, okay, and they're looking for all sorts of things, looking for something particular. God is searching the dark places of our hearts. Right now, I look, come on, how many of us got some dark places of anxiety right now? Fear, doubt. Some things are some deeply rooted. And what he does to see the Spirit, he, he just shines the light on them so that God can eradicate them. You shine the light on it, and he can eradicate the very moment when we're struggling. And we're looking at our culture, and we're looking around at the shootings. We're watching the news and all that, and you're sitting there, and you're praying, God, should I send my kids to even send them to school? Should I? With all this violence and stuff happening, should I pay for my grandkids to go and have the private tutor come in? Am I going to survive financially through this inflation? $6 a gallon for gas, the cost of groceries? Come on, God, what am I supposed to do here? Can I tell you, is that the spirits? of God calls out of us with a groaning that just, it makes no sense in regular words. It's just this groaning noise. It's a prayer that goes beyond prayer. It goes deep into the depths of our soul. It's important to remember that God is in constant communion with the Holy Spirit that resides in those of us who have called on Christ Jesus. Romans 8 goes this, he goes, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. But I want you to notice something. You guys can lead that back up if you would. I want you to notice something that it doesn't say. It doesn't say all things work out the way I want them to. Right? It doesn't say that, does it? 
I mean, we'd like it to say that. We'd like to interpret it that way, but it, it doesn't say that. Anyone else it doesn't say? It doesn't say all things have a happy ending here on earth. Because you know why? That's right, they don't. So what the heck does Paul mean when he says, we know that God causes all things, okay, all things together for good to those that, who love him? What does he mean we know? What do you mean we know? What Paul is saying is Christians, we shouldn't be standing around wishing things would work out. We shouldn't be walking around with false hope that things are going to work out. He's saying we know they will. Paul goes, we know. We know for certainty. It's not a wish. It might not turn out the way we wish it would work out. But God goes, it will. God is weaving a tapestry, a tapestry of your life and mine. And when he weaves this tapestry of our lives, you know, he uses some dark threads. He uses some light ones. He uses some heavy ones and some thin ones, okay? I mean, have any of you, or maybe some of you have made a tapestry, have you ever looked at the underside? I mean, it's a mess. It makes no sense at all. You can't tell what it is at all. You see, all of us have made a bunch of good and bad choices. You know, we see the good things that have happened in life and the bad things, and many times you look at everything that's happened to you. It's happened to me, and I go, you know, it really doesn't seem to be a whole lot of rhyme, to reason, rhyme and reason to any of this. Can I tell you, though, when God looks at your life, no matter what stage you're in, and he looks down on it, he sees this beautiful pattern emerging coming out of everything that you have dealt with. He's got such a different view than we do. God is saying, I want you to hear me. You should see the beautiful pattern your life's creating. Just keep walking with me. I want to encourage you. Can you hear him? Put one foot in front of the other, step by step trusting that God will direct your life. God's Spirit is active, helping to turn our lives around. He's interceding all the time for you. He's at the throne of God. He's petitioning on your behalf. When your life seems to be falling apart, God is actively planning, actively planning how to fix it. And let me, what's so great about God, he doesn't have this cookie-cutter fix for your life. No, it's perfectly cut, a solution just for you. One person put it this way, and I love this, don't miss this. When you are down to nothing, God's up to something. <laughs> Amen? When you're down to nothing, I'm going to tell you, God's up to something. When you're questioning God and your life circumstances, I think Romans 9 is powerful. It says, on the contrary, well, who are you, you foolish person who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does the potter not have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one object for honorable use? And another for common. Questioning, you know, like, I mean, I mean haven't you? I mean, you're going to go, why are these things happening in my life? Why don't I just get that health report? 
Why am I struggling over here in this particular area? Why, why couldn't I have had parents like them? Right, haven't you? Why couldn't I have had these opportunities? Why them? Why not me? Paul states at the potter, the job of molding and making is creation and all that it should be. That's what our, the potter does. Listen, I mean, let me read Psalms 139 says, Lord, you've searched me. You know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You understand my thought from far away. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And you're acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue. Before, Lord, you know it all. You have encircled me behind and in front and placed your hand upon me. Such knowledge, it's just too wonderful for me. It's too high, I can't comprehend it. I mean, where do I go? Where do I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take up the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. And your right hand will take a hold of me. The reason why God is involved in this pottery process is that God is molding us to be what we had always been created to be. We're just not an object. Pastor Jeff always says we're more than just a bag of chemicals. Look at any potter can make an object that sits on a shelf. Any potter can make an artifact, a thing of beauty. Any potter can make an item for retail sale. But the potter has creative power. He brings into being that which was not. The potter has creative power to reach down into the dust of the earth, pick up lumps of clay, and breathe life into it until it walks and talks like a man or a woman. And more than that, the potter has recreative power. Jeremiah says that something the pot is sometimes the pot is marred in the potter's hand. This is what Jeremiah said. He said, The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. So he goes, So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Friends, sometimes the pot <laughs> doesn't always do what it was designed to do. But the potter just takes it, breaks it, molds it, and makes it the way he wants it to be. I read that when steel is changed from one shape to another, it resists any kind of change at all. It's strong. It doesn't want to be placed in a state contrary to what it is at that moment. That steel, did you know that steel will actually moan and groan, and it makes ear-shattering noises as they try to mold it and push it into a different form or shape? Some of the problems that many Christians face are the same thing with them and God. God wants to form them. And sometimes as a Christian, I think I like just to remain the way that I am. Sometimes, like steel, heat needs to be used to get the steel to kind of bend, to shape. 
And as the heat goes up, what do you think happens? The temper of the steel gets softer. And eventually, it yields to the change. Friends, God is putting on the heat to change us, to change us to meet this culture, to meet this society, changing us into the perfect form that he needs us to be. Look at You may not like the way someone else speaks or somebody else looks or how this person dresses or acts, but remember, if they're under under the forming hands of the Creator, they're going to change. Anyone who's accepted Jesus Christ truly into their heart, they will change. Who are we to tell the potter what we want him to make out of the clay? Who are we to tell the steel maker what to make out of the steel? whether to make it something beautiful, whether to make it something ugly, to make it straight, make it curved. Who are we? It's all up to the Creator. God's hands are at work every day, every hour, working on changing me, forming, shaping, refining me and many of anyone who calls on the name of Jesus. The refiner's fire is not distinguished, is not extinguished, extinguished, until all the changes are made. Romans 9. Does the potter not have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one object for honorable use and another just for common? We all got to be really careful, friends. When we start pointing fingers at other people, you know, we're looking at God's work and his time and his way. Don't miss this. We must remember that only God has the power to change a heart. Only God can change the heart of someone like Putin. All the weapons, all the political, none of that's going to change his heart. There's not one instance that man has ever changed his own heart. God is always in charge. We can't change one hair. We can't change one inch, one item of our bodies that God's not in control of. We can't even come to Christ unless we're drawn by the Spirit of God. God is the potter. And I just want to encourage, it's going to make sense here because we are just the clay. I mean, have you ever thought about this? What if God would have listened to others about you before you became a believer? What if you listened to other people? You know what, God, why are you bothering with Paul? (laughs) Ain't never going to amount to be anything. Why are you wasting your time? What about her? Oh, come on. She's never going to be a Christian. Let me just tell you what she's done with her life. No, ask yourself, aren't you glad the potter never gave up on you? Aren't you glad the potter broke you down a little, remolded you, reshaped you? Remember this. If people don't like you, they don't like your life, (laughs) just tell them, God's still working on me, man. I'm being recycled. That's all I got to tell them. You know, Monday in my neighborhood is trash day. Maybe you're wondering, what do you got all up here, Paul? Well, Monday's trash day. Every house has got a trash can and a recycling can out front. All right? And every, and every one of those recycling containers, there's plastic, cardboard, right? Uh, glass, boxes, you know? All those things that are in that recycling bin, I want you to hear this, they serve their purpose. They need, that waste now needs to be converted. Converted now into reusable material. 
It needs now, they need to extract what is good from those materials. They need to reprocess it. They need to recondition it. And they need to adapt it to a new function. There are times and there are stages in our lives when we have been poured out. The material of our container has been used up for its designed purpose. It could have been that you needed to get that education in order to get that position so you could make that kind of money. It could have been that you were more physical, you are able to do more things, your health, you know, your work experience. You used to have kids in the house, and now the kids are gone. Things have changed. It's time has passed. Its purpose at that moment that it was originally formed, okay, has been fulfilled. It's time to recycle. It's time to extract all the useful material, to reprocess, to recondition, to adopt it for a whole new function. But just like recycling, just like using your recycling bin, we got to choose to use it. Can I tell you, there's sometimes I am so lazy and I'll get done with a plastic water bottle or some type of bottle and I'll throw it into the regular trash under the sink because I don't want to walk the extra 15 feet and open the garage door and toss it in the recycling bin. Why are you looking at me like that for? Haven't any of you ever done that? But here's the question I want to ask you. Are you willing, though, to be recycled? Are you willing, are you willing to take the, our current container this thing right now that it's had its heart broken at times, that it's dealt with severed relationships, that's dealt with bad health, financial crisis, family turmoil, as well as good times and joy and successes and friendships and have the creator of the universe recycle us for the next purpose. In other words, friends, God, throughout the stages of our life, he wants to recycle our attention, or we put in our attention to. He wants to take the energy we have, our resources, in particular areas to achieve what he has set before us. A special need, a purpose, a direction that only you can achieve. Do you know why? Because your life experience, you're the only one that's experienced it. Do you realize that, that once this is all used up, do you realize God wants to take your experiences, all those things I just mentioned? And he goes, okay, now you're at this new stage. I, I need to recycle you. I'm going to take everything you've learned, all the heartache, all the wonderful things. I'm going to crunch it all up. And, oh, man, and I've got this purpose for you. And you're the perfect one for it. Because no one's had your life experience. No one. Like Paul is here in 2 Corinthians says, he goes, we've got this treasure in jars of clay to show that is all surpassing power from God, that's all from God and not from us. What's he saying? See, this treasure he's talking about, friends, is the gospel. And he's not just talking about the message of death and the resurrection of Jesus, but the power behind the message. The very life of God available through Jesus Christ. Instead of jars of clay, you know, some translations say, uh, 
clay pots or earthen vessels. Regardless, friends, the point is clay pottery was the most common material for cookware, for dishes, for wash bases, and storage in the first century. It's kind of like, you know, plastic is today, right? Almost everything's plastic. Why? Because it's cheap, right? It's cheap. Clay pots back in those days, they were used for the, to keep liquid cool, slow the evaporation process down. It was easily obtained, okay, easy to work with. You get a broken pot, you can easily make another one or buy one cheaply. You just get another one. Sometimes people store their valuables in jars of clay, assuming that nobody would ever look for something of value inside a clay pot. It's kind of like you're sticking money in your sock drawer, you know, hoping nobody or hiding that piece of jewelry somewhere. There. Well, no one's ever going to look for it there. So, friends, how are we Christians like jars of clay. How are we like a plastic bottle? Well, you know, clay pots, they were quite ordinary back in the day. They were everywhere, especially in the home of peasants, common folk. Wealthy people probably used more exotic things, you know, like ivory or marble or glass. But regular people, they just use clay pots. It's the same thing as saying we just use this now to store water instead of clay pots. You know, I was thinking just a little side note. I was going to give you all one of these as a prop as you came in. But all I knew I would hear is this. <laughs> I was just sitting there getting ready to crunch. That's all I would hear all through the whole message. Because you see, number two, jars of clay are fragile. Compared to mar marble or ivory or even wood, clay doesn't last long, my friends, since it was so cheap. Nobody expected it to last long. People used a pot for a while, and when it got chipped or cracked, they just throw it out, get another one. Paul's telling us God has taken this great treasure, the life of Christ, and he's placed it in people like you and me who are as common and fragile as a clay pot, as common and disposable as plastic water bottles. Hardly takes any effort to crumble that. Friends, we are so fragile in so many ways. Doesn't it seem odd to you? Why would God, I mean, stop now. Doesn't it seem odd? Why would God store something so valuable as the Holy Spirit and his gospel message in a container so ordinary? According to Paul, there are two reasons. God stores his treasure in fragile containers like us to display his life-giving power. You know, look at, I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. From what we know about Paul, okay, he was not an impressive person, I mean, by looking at him, okay? He was not known necessarily to be an elegant speaker. He may have been small of stature. It even seems when you read a little bit that he, that he had some health issues. He might even had some eye situations. But you want to talk about being recycled. He hated Christians. Remember the story? He persecuted them, and now he's on the receiving end. Now he's getting criticized. Now he's getting slandered. Now he's facing rejection. Now he's being persecuted. Yet somehow, the gospel was spread through him so that the church would be established throughout the whole known world. The only explanation that you, that, that you have to come up with that is how did that happen? It's because God was working through him. 
It doesn't make sense to place something so valuable in a container ordinary unless, of course, and this is what I want you to catch, catch you put, why would you take something so wonderful and place it in such an ordinary container? It's because you want the person to notice the treasure, not the person. Let me give you an example. Mary and I are having guests for dinner at our house. Well, Mary decides to make her famous pork, spare pork ribs. She marinates them. Any of the people here have been to her house and had these meals, she marinates them. All night, they come out and the special spices and all that, and they're slow cooked all day long. I mean, you come into her house and all you can smell, oh, those ribs just smell so good. Well, it came time for dinner. We had our guests over. Mary brings out the ribs, sets them on the table, and the first thing they say, oh, what a beautiful serving dish. Serving dish? I'm going, like, what with serving dish? Did you know that these two couples spent the rest of the meal talking about the serving dish? Said nothing about the ribs and the energy and the time it took Mary to do it. When everybody left, you know what Mary said? She goes, the next time I'm going to the dollar store and I'm buying a disposable foil tray and I'm going to put that with the ribs in it. So that gets the attention. So it is, friends, that God pours his life into ordinary containers like you and me, so that people will praise him, not us. See, don't miss this. We are who we are only because of the treasure we carry within us. It's the life-giving power of Christ. That's why we're recyclable. Jesus takes all the good and he takes all the garbage and he makes us new. And the second reason why God puts his treasure in jars of clay is so he can give out his life-giving power. Jars of clay were meant to be used, not admired. You know, we had a silver platter. <laughs> Maybe you had one. Maybe you got one. You had the silver platter at home. Some good friends gave it to us when we got married. There was only one problem. We never used it. Because when they gave it to us, they said, look, there's a special coating on this. So it won't turn tarnishy on it. Whatever you do, don't ever use soap on it or whatever when you wash up. So you know what? Well, you won't end up not ever using it, okay? We never used it. Can I tell you, God's not looking for sterling silver platters. Oh, man. He's looking for rough and tough clay pots. He's looking for the plastic bottles, the kind that can be used every day. He's looking for the kind of pots that don't need to be tucked away in the china cabinet, okay, but could be sent out into the world, carrying with them the life of Christ. Friends, the church was never meant to be a china cabinet where precious pieces are just safely stowed away. The church was meant to be a working kitchen. Have you ever watched any of the Food Network? I was watching Bobby Flay the other night. Man, when they get done with their meals, that kitchen's a mess. It's a disaster, right? There's stuff everywhere and pots and pans and stuff spilled everywhere. It's all over the place. But that's what God wants. He's not worried about things being all perfect inside of a china cabinet. And, you know, uh, Paul goes on here in 2 Corinthians. He says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us reveals the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance. That's you. We're a fragrance of Christ 
to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Do you realize when you're around others and you get to share and help them with their anxiety and fear and all that, you go, do you, to one, you're, you're an aroma from death to death, but to some, you're an aroma from life to life. Look at friends, in close. As we recognize this treasure that we have inside of us, are we going to allow the potter to mold us at this stage of your life everything that he wants you to be. God can use us to change people's perspective and how they look at the church, how they look at God, how they look at Christians, and most importantly, how they look at themselves. Through the treasure within us, God will reach this valley in a huge, huge way. Pastor Jeff said he has no idea what's going to happen on that property when that building. Well, nobody knows what God is going to do. But are you willing? This is the key. Are you willing to be recycled? Are you willing to let the potter mold you again? Are you willing to be reprocessed, reconditioned? Are you willing to be adapted to become something even more than you had ever imagined you could have been? To reach his culture, friends. Are you willing, finally, to be one of those crazy people? You know, the world thinks we're crazy, right? You know that, right? Oh, yeah. They go, oh, those crazy Christ followers. Oh, my gosh. They trust in Jesus. They're crazy. Crazy people. They walk by faith in Jesus. They're crazy people. They talk to Jesus like he's real. They're crazy. Crazy people. These Christians believe, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They believe, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They believe, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They actually believe, blessed are the merciful, for they're going to be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they're going to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs, it's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, everyone, and listen strongly in the cancel culture that we live in. Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. The world says we're crazy. All I have to do is turn on the evening news and I can tell you who the crazy ones are. And it ain't us. Amen? Lexus friends, crazy people are willing to be recycled. And they're willing to follow Jesus wherever he tells them to go. Crazy people trust him. We see the world, those of us who are the crazy people, we do see the world as a mission field. And we do want to see hearts set free. And we want to see our country healed. But the change starts right here, today, right now. What about you? Are you willing to be recycled? Are you one of those crazy people? God bless you. Have a great day.